0: Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by CapShow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use CapShow for your content.
1: For now, let's get straight into the episode. I just knew I want to sit across the table from families and help them have good conversations around money and actually use it to its best ability to serve the purpose of their life. Welcome to Beyond the Rut. The podcast about
0: helping you pursue and achieve your dreams without compromising your faith, your family, or your health. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan, and in just a moment, we're going to be joined by financial planner Jim Kreider. Jim is the founder of the website intentionallivingfp.com and he helps families have that important conversation to get their money to create the lives they wish to have. So it's all about intentionally living through your finances. So we're going to talk about some of the mindset shifts that need to happen, the visualization that you need to have, and what can you do on a practical level to start having your money work for you to live intentionally, to fulfill those dreams you've got. Man, that's a mouthful. So sit back and relax unless you are swinging a golf club against a baseball pitcher. And in that case, you got to concentrate, but keep listening to us. I don't know if anybody's ever actually done that, but if you are. Good luck and Godspeed. Here we go.
1: All right. Hey, Jim, how are you doing? Doing great. How are you doing this evening?
0: Doing well, doing well. And uh, glad to be talking with a fellow Texan. Uh, you're down there in New Braunfels. I'm up here in Dallas, which actually turned out to be your hometown. So that's really cool. I'm
1: glad we got to catch up before we hit record. Yeah, I'm glad you know how to say New Braunfels. Oh, um, yeah. Most, most, most Texans even don't know how to pronounce it. So I'm glad uh, to hear that.
0: The one that got me was, um, well, actually uh, San Antonio is just surrounded by city names that are a challenge because of the German heritage. Like Bernie is another mm-hmm. one. Uh, Bear County, you know. I remember seeing that for the first time. I was like, Bexar. And my wife looked at me like I was stupid. I'm like, what? B-E-X-A-R. She goes, it's Bear. I'm like, what's wrong with you guys down here? So uh because I'm imported from California. So that's
1: for the longest time when people would say Bear County, I didn't know that they were talking about Bexar County. I didn't yeah. didn't know was, I didn't <laughs> know they were the same thing. <laughs>
0: And you grew up around here. <laughs> yep. Awesome. I'm glad to have you on right now, and uh, we got connected through Interview Valet. Uh, and uh, so I don't know if you've met Tom and Karen Schwab yet, uh, but they're really neat people. And um, I know Tom and I are on a quest to get Renee Zellweger on this show, but we know it's never going to happen. But
1: yeah, just <laughs> what? No, I, I love Tom. He's he's <laughs> phenomenal. But why
0: we do have you on here is uh, you are a financial planner, and a big part of this show is helping men in the 30s. And Forties, they're married. They've got children, uh, but they feel stuck. And you know, mm-hmm. they, they've got a great corporate job. They've got a car. They got the house. They got everything that they're supposed to have. But deep down inside, they just feel like they're stuck in a rut. You know, they're asking themselves that question: like, is this all there is? They're probably stuck in debt. Maybe they're stuck in their career. Maybe their marriage has flatlined for a while. Um, and so, when we heard about you and and your business as a financial planner. Uh, and just the way you go to about go about your business, I was like, that's very much aligned with the message here. Uh, so even though we're going to have you talk about finances and financial planning and um, and the work that you do, I mean, it does have an impact on all those other areas. So um, I'm excited to have you on here.
1: You you hit it round the head. Um, yeah, there's technical side of financial planning. There's a, estate and taxes and investments and cash flow and all that stuff. But ultimately, yeah, it's the your money is nothing more. Than a tool and a resource that's there to help you live the life that you want to live, and yeah, those things, the 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 good planning, it simply supports and empowers you to actually do what's important to you in your life, to help you become who you want to be, and help you achieve the things that are actually important to you. And that's why, yeah, I, I can get real nerdy on the technical side of planning, like I fall asleep a lot of nights thinking and reading about taxes and estate and investments. But like the only reason that excites me is because thinking about people like you described. People men in their thirties and forties who are trying to figure out there's got to be something more and actually helping people understand what that is and then align their money their resources their time all these things actually with that that way they can actually full fully live into who they're supposed to be and what they want in life so gosh that, that stuff gets me going awesome <laughs> I mean have you seen
0: how have you seen uh where money or the lack thereof was a crutch for somebody like not to be able to do what they wanted to do? It's kind of a dumb question, but still, I think there's an answer there.
1: <laughs> no, I, gosh, that can go so many ways. One, not having enough money. Of course, there, there, there's a place of like literally you, can, you are not able to do something you want because you don't have enough money. And that could be like the obvious thing is like, I can't afford a house in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, because I don't have $6 million of excess money to throw at a house. But there's other things like, um, gosh, I wish I had the ability to leave my corporate job and start my passion business that I've been wanting to do for years and years, but I can't. I can't afford to do that. I have too many things depending on me and this income to be able to do it. And I, I, needed, I need more to be able to do that, or at least I think I need more. Or it could go the other way around. Like, I've worked with a lot of people who make phenomenal income, but they have golden handcuffs. Like, I, I, I had a client that, or I, I work with a client that's, that's an executive at a major company. Makes great money. They're in their mid mid thirties, and in our first meeting, she just broke down crying. And one, I found out that the husband and wife were on the on the edge of the divorce, and they just constantly fight about money. But it's not money itself; it's life that they are not satisfied with. And anyways, after talking for an extensive period of time, she just came out and said, "The last time I was truly happy in what I was doing in my life was in college, because at that point, I was able just to be a barista." And I wasn't slave to this job that I hate. But right now, I make way too much money to leave this thing. I can't walk away. I'm dependent on it. And I, they have me in golden handcuffs. Um, so yeah, like being dependent or using money as a crutch can go both ways. Um, so yeah, it's not a matter of necessarily having too much or not enough, but rather, is your mentality and is, are your desires and your life goals and who you want to be, is it actually aligned with your money itself? And that's the problem. Most people don't even stop to understand like what's important to me in life. And then how can my money just support that rather than like coasting through and just having money to go and like, I don't know, just the quid pro quo do things. The
0: phrase golden handcuffs, I hadn't heard that in a long time. Uh That is in a sense a trap. I mean, you know, from the example you were sharing though, like what was it that made her feel trapped in those golden handcuffs? Like why couldn't she leave?
1: So this for specifically for her, it was just i'm making 900,000 a year in my corporate job um i can keep doing that indefinitely and be very well off and that's hard to walk away from yeah so for her like gosh we created plans like okay you like the money but how much money where's this where's the diminishing return so we we established it's at this point and you'll be able to reach that point when you turn 45 so that we created a plan around that our plan huh? was at 45 You'll be able to quit your job and go sling lattes for 10 hours a week if you want. And man, that that relit a flame inside of her, where it was like, oh, I'm not just aimlessly going through life. Yeah, I'm making a lot of money, but like, I'm not satisfied. So that was for her specifically. I worked with other people. In a, uh, when I first got into personal finance and got into an advisory role, I worked for a, for a time specifically advising physicians um, on retirement planning. So I worked with a lot of really high-income people That frankly, a lot of these people were were living relatively broke. They just were broke with nicer toys. And I had (laughs) I had a lot of conversations with people who, again, were living just stressed out and everything looked great on the outside, but they were they were in a rut. They were burdened, they were hurting, and they were not satisfied because their cash flow was phenomenal and they bought a lot of great toys. But they couldn't walk away from the cash flow because they didn't have a balance sheet to actually sustain that lifestyle. Yeah. So they dug themselves into that hole.
0: Wow. Yeah. And that's something that we hear often. Like you know, myself and the, the founder of the show, Brandon, uh, like we run into guys like that all the time that just, that's where they felt trapped. Like they, they made great money. They had the good job. And, you know, somebody else who isn't making great money is looking at them like, what's wrong with you, man? I would love to have your job. I'd love to have your, your income. And, you know, there's that trap that folks have fallen into. Like they, they buy the toys. Um, you know, the, the money's just too good to walk away from. And, uh, it, it sounds almost like there's a misalignment with the job itself and who they are at the core. Is, is that something you come across a lot? and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see
1: for yourself. Now, back to the show. Oh, but yeah, regularly. Um, how, one, one, I want to touch on a statistic that's really interesting, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know it like this don't quote me on this the numbers hard and fast but years ago i remember <laughs> um i remember learning a few years ago that there was a large group of people polled of all incomes like along like from poverty level to you're doing really really well and they went and surveyed these these people and said how much money would you need to make in order to be satisfied with your income and it was Across the board, whether you're making 30,000 a year to support a family of five up to making several hundred thousand a year to support a, a small a, a family, across the board, everyone said they needed, if they were making about 20% more, then they'd be happy. Oh, wow. That 20% more at 30,000, obviously, that's a lot less than 20% more at 500,000. But that was it. It's was like, gosh, once I reach here, once I'm a little bit further than where I am, then I'll be satisfied rather than here's what i want and how can i achieve that yeah so um yes that's 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 something that i see a lot and um yeah do i do i see people who are dissatisfied in their work um or where they're at yeah regularly um you know it's we go through school and then if you go to college or military or just right into work and then you're suddenly you go from being a kid to an adult to like, you better have your stuff together because now you're taking care of people. And if, again, going back earlier, if you don't have your financial ducks in a row, like you got to just keep performing. Like you don't have the wiggle room to be able to to go and pivot and move careers and like switch to something you enjoy more. Like you got to keep working and grinding because like you got a family depending on you, whatever it looks like. Um, Or maybe like, this is all I know. So therefore this is what I'll do. Um, Rather than just having the freedom and the optionality to say like, you know what, I want to go pursue this because I'm passionate about it. And the sad thing is most of the time when you're actually doing work that you enjoy and you're passionate about, or people who like retire early and they just go do a passion project, they're usually phenomenally successful in that area because they're actually, their passion and their, uh, their skill sets are finally aligned and they're able to tap into something they haven't before.
0: Yeah. And the money, the income is already covered by something else uh, in yeah. a sense. Yeah. Love that. Uh, so you obviously have a lot of passion in this. You got a lot of knowledge. I mean, you just said a moment ago you love reading up on tax laws and and tax codes and and changes in like the financial structure and everything. Uh, so what inspired you to to dive into finances and and the world of personal finance? Hmm.
1: It started so quite a few years back. Um, I was. I was working jobs. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was working in sales and different... I'm a horrible salesman. Absolutely horrible. (laughs) I was working in sales because I didn't know what else I had to do. Um, Anyways, I I ended up leaving a job very suddenly. I found out my boss was doing some really bad stuff. And I confronted him and I quit on the spot. And that led to about seven months of unemployment, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Unfortunately, that was before we had kids. My wife was working. But seven months of trying to figure out what on earth I want to do and not having the income we needed yeah. led to like like personal anguish like my gosh what am i actually passionate about what am i good at in life surely there's something i'm good at and then financial stress started to take hold and that got me thinking about financial stress how it's the number one cause of divorce in the US and it's mm-hmm. one of the top causes of suicide uh-huh. and i decided then that i want to be able to help families have healthy conversations about their money and actually use their money for what's important to them in life and if I can help people do that, that would be an amazing way to spend my career. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what a financial planner was or what a CFP is or these credentials and tests and stuff. I just knew I want to sit across the table from families and help them have good conversations around money and actually use it to its best ability to serve the purpose of their life. So I just I dove in. A friend of mine helped me get a job and... It was a boring job. I answered phones to help people reset their password on the 401k. <laughs> but from day one, I knew. Like I, I approached the VP of, that was at the site and said, How do I get here? He said, Oh, well, you got to take all these tests and start in this entry role. And, you know, I just, I grinded in that. It was so simple. Like I, I love studying this stuff. So I went role to roll and eventually I got my, what's called a CFP or certified financial planner, which is a pretty, pretty big, gruesome test. And, uh, the moment I, as soon as I, d- I finished passing that, I passed that test, I just reread my books for fun because I just wanted to be, if I can help people do this more efficiently, that allows them to do more things in their life they want. And then that led me, I left that firm and I went to another firm and helped them, w- uh, help clients with traditional retirement planning. And then um, earlier this year, um, actually, gosh, for years now, I've been thinking about this, but earlier this year, I went ahead and I started my own thing where I worked specifically with young families who want to achieve early financial independence, so they have more time freedom to spend with the people they love, and the ability to pursue the things they're actually passionate about. So that's what I do. So many
0: things in that story, in in such a short time that you told it. Uh, you know, things like uh, the the passion that drove you. Like it wasn't just I want to make a ton of money. I'm going to do this. And off you went like there was a passion in there to help other families get that financial freedom to not be burdened by the stress of that money, like saving marriages, saving lives. Like, I don't think I've met any other financial planner who took that approach to this field. And there's those who were like, I want you to be able to retire and live the life you always wanted to live, but to like bring it down to I'm helping families save their marriages and save lives. Like you're, you're reducing suicide. That just blows my mind right there uh, in and of itself. So from there, uh, I mean, we've already heard about one of your clients who was in probably still in her thirties, making great money, $900,000. And now listeners are like all mad. Like, well, if she doesn't like it, I'll take that job, but that's not the point guys. (laughs) Uh, Take us through, I guess, sort of a, high level uh, process that you take your clients through to help them discover what it is they want to do in life and how they want to align their money up with that
1: yeah it's how I approach this is it is foundational that I understand truly what is important to these people, what they want their life to look like, who they want to be. Um, I want them to know these things i most people don't don't have the time or make the time for true introspection to say you know. Yeah. A lot of people think they have, we have goals. Like, oh, I'd love to do this one day. Well, why? Well, because it'll allow me to do this. But why is that important? And if you keep asking that, you'll get down to the core things of what's important to you in life. And that's what I, I want to know. I want my clients to know it. And I want this each spouse to know it about each other. And then I want to know it. So I know at their core what they value. So that's where I start with my clients, understanding their values, the, the, the underlying why in their life. Those things don't really they don't really tend to change very often those those wise so we start with that okay and then that goes into establishing goals um it's uh, goals are important you know there's there's a lot of science to show that writing down goals helps people actually achieve their goals and there's a lot of science there but we don't start with that because goals change that's completely fine like i, I bet jerry that your goals today are a lot different than they were 5 years ago and they'll they they'll probably be they'll be they'll be different 5 years from now than they are today and that's totally fine but goals they do serve a purpose of goals help inform the, the best next step to take. So again, we start with values because those, those don't really tend to change very often. And then we, then we, then we go to goals. So like um, a value could be, um, well, let's, let's, let's say we did start with goals. Oh, I want to be able to retire early. Like when I'm 40, why? Um, I don't know. It'd be great to have that free time. What would you do with that free time? I would spend time with my kids. Oh, you don't want retirement. You want time with your kids. Okay. So that's what's important to you is family time. And then a goal is retirement by the time you're 40 or whatever that is. Okay. And 40 is probably going to change eventually, Mm -hmm. but that's the goal. And then from there, once we've established the goals, we understand the decisions that we're going to have to make. Everything in life requires decisions. There's always trade-offs. There's always opportunity costs, whether we do it purposefully and intentionally or just passively, we're giving up something to go for something else. Okay, so we understand what trade-offs and decisions are need are going to have to be made, and then finally, we take action and how do we actually ultimately align the actions, the decisions, the goals, and the values so we can most efficiently and effectively do what's important to you in life and that's what we do and of course, we start off with understanding that foundationally, and then things change, so we meet on a regular basis to understand like the cadence of your life and as things change and as new opportunities arise and and then uh maybe something bad happens whatever it is how do we actually move in real time to align where you are in life right now with where you want to be and who you want to be
0: nice now is do they eventually wind up in like a cookie cutter like same type of plan for everybody or does it vary because it sounds like if we're basing it on their values their why and their goals that that's going to cause a lot of variation in what the ultimate plan is
1: yeah no it, it definitely varies it helps So again, I I work specifically with young families who want to be able to have early financial independence. Um, That helps me not have to have these mental gymnastics. Like at previous firms, I was going from a conversation with a 27-year-old single person to a married couple who's 68 trying to figure out social security distributions. That's really tough to move from one-to-one and stay actually good at something. Like There's a reason Like general practitioners aren't going to do heart surgery. You yeah. go to your general practitioner to understand, hey, what's sort of going wrong? They say, hey, there's probably an heart issue. Let's go to this guy. Like, he's good at that. I'm not going to go to a knee surgeon to get my heart looked at. I'm not going to go to... So that's where it does help having a, a niche focus. But yeah, everyone's different. Like there's... Everyone in, in life has... A, everyone has a once-in-a-lifetime lifetime. Yeah. So everyone's going to look yeah. different. Um. So yeah, fully understanding what's important to them. That's foundational. And then yes, like... It may sound like this because I I emphasize the life and the touchy feely so much, but yeah, you better, I I better be, and whoever your financial planner is, better be really sharp on the technical side of things as well, because those technical things are there to support your life. And yeah, maybe uh, one client, it might be really important that we go ahead and accelerate their taxes into you know this year because they're starting a business and cash flow is not there. Maybe another client. We need to go ahead and have these types of investments set up because they're trying to buy this new house or having kids. So things can look a lot different, um, obviously. But yeah, that's that's. Does nice. that answer your question?
0: I think so. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And then um, the next one I was thinking of is you know you, you mentioned you know yes it's important that your financial planner is in touch with or understands your why, your values, uh, but they also have to be savvy on those technical skills. What are some of the things that uh, the general public should be aware of as they go look for a financial planner on the technical side? Uh, Like what are the big like, oh no, got to get away versus, all right, this person could take care of me.
1: Yeah, I guess base understanding is there's a really big difference between a financial planner and a salesman who just happens to sell a financial product. So if you can go into a conversation with a finance person Knowing that, that's that's really good. Yeah, um, and then yeah, like as far as technical competencies, um, I'm I'm a CFP um, certified financial planner. I advocate like I would not send my parents to a non CFP. Um, so that would be that's pretty foundational. I I I personally advocate for going to someone who would specialize in some area of what you're looking for. So like a mentor of mine, um, he only his practice only works with dentist practice owners. Because he knows everything that a dentist practice owner is going to come up with on how to finance a piece of equipment to working off student loan debt for dentists. Um, so yeah, I would I would personally advocate for working with someone who actually works with people regularly who are like you. Um, again, like yeah, probably like a CFP, maybe a CPA. Um, those those are like the core. Like yeah, they're they're technically smart in this area. Okay. Um, and yeah, obviously someone you just trust and is actually genuinely curious in you. Um, that's important because again, there it's, it's, it's about your life. Ultimately, and that you want to make sure that like they're they're there to help fully understand and know who you are, and then yeah, bridge the gap on the technical side of things as well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so the certifications are a big giveaway. The CFP, CPA type of certifications. Um, you mentioned telling the difference between somebody who's really trying to advise you versus trying to sell a product. What's kind of the giveaway there? Because I, you know, when I was younger, I ran into I think mm. somebody who was really interested in just me buying a loan or getting a loan and then, you know, getting some life insurance that cost way too much. And, uh, I felt like I was losing money as opposed to investing in the future. And eventually I got out of it and learned later on, like, oh, that was a good call. Uh, <laughs> totally by accident though. So like somebody who's probably in their late twenties, early thirties, any age for that matter, how, how can they discern the difference between an advisor versus, um, just somebody pitching products?
1: Um, there's I guess there's a few red flags or just things to look out for. Um, certifications, of course. Um, you could ask, are you a fiduciary? That just means basically like I have to do what's in your best interest. Unfortunately, like there's firms out there that in certain conversations you are a fiduciary, but that's after you've sold them. So like I there's there's literally firms that like you don't have to be a fiduciary to sell them a product, but once you've actually closed the sale, then you're a fiduciary. And it's like, well, that's that's pretty nuts. Um, it's like selling someone a beat or a car because it's going to give you the best commission, but once they're in it, you have to make sure they're safe. Like <laughs> that's no good. Yeah. Hey, are you a fiduciary? Um, how are you paid? Just okay. ask that question. Um, I know that's, that's, I guess that's sort of a millennial thing. We're probably not as afraid to ask as like, you know, older generations are more of like, Oh, we don't, we don't ask those questions. Millennials are pretty like, Hey, we get to the point. So yeah. Ask them, how are you paid? Are you, do you get a commission off this product? Do you get paid based off of how much money I'm managing? Um, what are your conflicts of interest? They should be able to tell you what those are and not be, I guess, uh intimidated by that. Yeah. So
0: yeah, I noticed on your website, you've got your fee structure up there and
1: you break it down into categories and everything. Yeah, I want to I'm not trying to hide anything. I want to let you know, like, here's what I can do. And I I only want to work with people I can actually bring value to. And I want to make it known if if I can't bring value for whatever reason, like I'll tell you. I'm like, perfect. Go do it on your own or go to this other person who can do it better. So heck, I just I just sent away a, a client that would have brought in several tens of thousands of dollars a year of income to me. I sent them to another advisor who specializes on retirement planning because I would not be the best fit. Because I don't work with people who are in their set in their sixties and seventies now. So if you could have someone say, hey, like how are what where, where are where do you fit in this role? Just look for a good answer there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. And there's something that just came out of you right now that is worth pointing out as well. Like the the importance of knowing your values, your why, who you're serving, mm-hmm. uh, and just having that independence as well as financial independence to be able to say no to business or like you know, like the couple you just talked about. Cause I know a lot of folks are like, Oh, you got to take every, every client you can get. Just take them all. And they wind up doing poorly. And it's like, well, that person didn't line up with you. And, uh, it, yeah. that person was not a good fit for your business. You just saw the dollar signs. And, and so that was a little nuance I picked up on, uh, just out of you just now. <laughs> I was like, here, here's a guy who knows who he is. He knows who he's serving. He knows why he's serving them. And then he also recognizes when a client, a potential client is not a good fit. And then, still takes care of them like you didn't just say I'm sorry I can't help you good luck and then salute them off on the way um, you connected them with somebody else who could help them so that the power of networking as well I, I guess pays off as you take your profession as a professional uh, I think that's mm-hmm. that's very huge um, out of curiosity what is the future like for the Kreider family I know you got three young boys uh, you guys are young yourselves um, and I'm not saying I'm jealous of that full head of hair you got or anything like that but <laughs> Sorry. My family picks on my big forehead all the time. They're like, Dad, it's getting bigger. I'm like, stop it guys. But yeah. So anyway, on track squirrels, um, what, what is the future like for the Kreider family? Like what's the Kreider family dream?
1: Yeah, man, that's a good question. Um, can I, can I tell you a quick story? Yeah. Okay. Um, this is sort of answer your question a, a few years ago. Um, obviously I really like what I do and my poor wife, her name's Kendra. Kendra asked hear about this stuff all the time. Like I excitedly tell her about tax stuff or whatever. Client stories like, babe, I got to do this. And um, anyways, when she doesn't work any longer, she, well, she works plenty. She watches our three little kids, Um, but she's no longer employed. And, but when she was, she really wanted to be able to stay home with our kids. So her hearing how excited I was about my job, there was this gap. How can you be excited about what you do for work? I don't like what I do. And I wish I didn't have to do it yet. You're like bouncing off the walls about this stuff every night. So one night we're having dinner and she stops me and says, Jim, I don't understand why you like your job so much. And I this pause and says, well, what do you think I do? Like when you picture a financial <laughs> planner, what do you think I'm doing there? And she said, well, I guess when I when I think of a financial planner, I picture an old white guy. And there's nothing wrong with being an old white guy. I hope I'm one one day. If I'm not, <laughs> something went really wrong. That's a good plan. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Something went real bad there. Um, I, I I picture an old guy with a pinstripe suit and those big cuff uh what are they called? Cufflinks mm-hmm. and a white collar and um, a all wood boardroom and big leather chairs. And we just sit there for like two hours and he just interrogates, interrogates me on how much money am I going to spend on utilities when I'm 73? And why am I spending so much on clothes right now? And um, what do I want to do with my investments and my analysis of this and that? And he gives me like a whole bunch of... Then after this few hour long conversations, he gives me a two-inch thick booklet of charts and graphs and formulas and rates of return and stuff that I have to pretend I understand or else I'll look stupid. Then he tells me, hey, you may or may not be able to retire in 30 years. Come back next year. We'll do it again. She's like, gosh, that sounds really bad. Like That sounds like a horrible client experience if I had to sit through that. And it sounds like a pretty boring job. I don't know how you get excited about that. So I just sort of sat back and was like, okay, that, that's what you think I do. I didn't, I didn't say that. But I said, well, <laughs> what... If that sounds like a poor experience as a client, describe to me what would you actually want out of that? And she sat back and just thought for a minute. She said, I wish that you and I had someone that we could go to together and just talk to about what we want our life to look like. And obviously, how do we avoid the things we don't want to have happen or at least mitigate them as much as possible? But like, how how would we actually do these things? Is it possible for me to actually stay at home with the kids or do I have to work? Would it be possible for you to actually start your own business one day? Um, when can we not have to work all together? Can we pay for can we send the kids to private school or public school or homeschool? What's the differences here? And save, how do we save for college? And can we please one day get a house in the mountains? All these things. Like, I wish we had someone we could talk to about it. And they were just a, a voice and a sounding board and actually give us good advice and help us navigate and guide us along the way. And I was like, Okay, that sounds pretty good. She said, "Yeah, but that sounds like it's too much about life. Like I never mentioned numbers and and mutual funds in that. That sounds more like a life planner." And I got the biggest grin. And I I says, "Like, babe, that's exactly what I do. Like that is my job." So, long story short, that's what I want. Like, I'm I'm 31. Um, I have we have three boys: a three year old, a one year old, and a five month old. Um, I work with people pretty much like me. I want to. If I won the Powerball today, I keep doing this. I love it. But I, by the time I'm 45, I want the optionality to say, okay, I'm done. Or I'll, I'll, I'll hang on to a handful of clients. And the rest, I'll transition to another advisor I really trust. And um, at that point, get a house in Jackson Hole or Telluride or maybe before then. And just be able to have the, the, the summer and fall out of the Texas heat and just go hiking. Our, our family, we love being outdoors. I'm actually next, uh, next week, I'm going backpacking for a week in Colorado. Um, So yeah, that's, that's, that's the Kreider family is just a, it's currently just a bunch of hooligan boys talking about dinosaurs and monster trucks. Um, (laughs) But yeah, just, just being able to take time and enjoy those moments and memories before they're out of our house and be able to curate moments and memories when they're growing up and have their families of their own.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, being 45 myself and and we were sharing before we hit record you know my son is out of the house for the past 2 years my daughter just graduated high school and uh the one thing my wife and I say over and over again is that went by way too quickly you know like mm. you know all the like when you're the young parent and you've got the young children you hear all those folks all the old people I'm doing air quotes <laughs> uh, all the old people saying oh cherish them now cuz they grow up so quickly and in the back of your head like you smile oh thank you but in the back of your head you're like yeah whatever And then all of a sudden, it's like it's done, and you're like, "Holy moly!" Like they were right. It it went by so quickly. Wait, didn't they just start middle school? What happened? Like we're paying for a high school graduation gown and college (laughs) tuition. Oh my gosh, um, it it really does fly by. And I I know from also personal experience, while I hadn't achieved financial independence quite yet, uh, I did at least make some choices while I was a younger parent that I would be there for my kids. I would I would make. Being at school as a volunteer for them a priority. Uh, you know, I became a realtor for a few years just so I could work from home, just so I could be with my kids. Um and it was a great idea until this is two thousand six. So yeah, two thousand seven came <laughs> along. <laughs> Who would have <I> thunk? <laughs> uh but I, I put up with that until about two thousand ten and then finally, yeah, realized being a realtor didn't line up with my passions and found a job that you know, just has been a springboard ever since. Uh But I, to this day, still don't regret taking those five years uh to be there for my kids. And very important to know your values and what matters most to you. And, you know, I think I heard on an interview you had done somewhere else that you were talking to somebody in their, their fifties, like, or where you got this guy in his fifties, he's amassed this amount of money. uh, But the thing that is missing is, those moments with his family, and mm-hmm. like he doesn't know his kids they he's disconnected, it's like that pursuit of money without a why uh, led to this future without any connectedness and without any hope and without any purpose and uh, that that's that is sad that's tragic <laughs> you know, it's, yeah
1: yeah um yeah, that's that's a dangerous thing you know again that's where like not truly understanding the thing that's driving you if you're not doing that, you're very apt and prone to be very successful in something that's not even important to you. Yeah. Um, And gosh, you don't want that. You don't want to spend energy and years and, 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 you know, your, your kids' childhoods pursuing something that's not important to you. And Jerry, like, it sounds like, yeah, maybe, maybe being a real estate agent in 2007 through 2009 was financially difficult, but like, Hey, those are years and time with your kids. You'll, you'll, you'll never get back. Yeah. Um, So I doubt you regret that. And that's gosh, even the, what I do, like, I don't have a boss to answer to, so I I purposely like for me I don't I don't schedule meetings before nine a.m. because I'm there like my, we have a young a young one that doesn't sleep, so the two older kids I'm I'm there in the morning to get them up and change and f- fed and play dinosaurs and monster trucks before I take meetings, um, and that's that's so amazing I get to do that and it's our uh, yeah going back how fast it goes. Um, I have a good friend that he always reminds me of this, that how that yes, the, the days are long, but the years or the the days go by long, but the years go by quick. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I currently joke around with Kendra, how, how, how I'm so excited to be an empty nester, but I know it's going to go fast. Um, Atticus, our three-year-old, he just started like a summer school thing for his first time. So yesterday was his first day. And, uh, so the night before last, Kendra and I are sitting there making PB and PB and J sandwich for him. I was like, Oh my gosh, like I've eaten tens of thousands of PB and J's, and I, can, I remember making these for myself, my mom making them for me as a kid. And here I am making a PB&J for my little boy. Like, oh, man. oh my goodness.
0: <laughs> Circle of life right there. Cute. You know, Rafiki holding up Simba. <laughs> 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 uh, it, it is cool, though. Like, when you have that moment where you're like, you're now in your parents' shoes 20 some odd years later. And you're like, oh, wow. Are you, are, are you, yeah. Or later, you know, almost 30 years later. And you're like, that's insane. Yeah. Oh, man. Um now before we go, how can people connect with you so they want to check out more about your services, maybe reach out to you to be their financial planner or at least get that conversation going? Uh where can they go?
1: Yeah. Um so my my website is intentionallivingfp.com. So intentionallivingfp has in financialplanning.com. Um I'll actually um I'll create Do you have show notes that mm-hmm. people can go to or anything? Okay. So I'll create a landing page specifically uh for for listeners. It'll be intentional living fp.com slash, um, I guess we can do, do the show name. So be on the rut. So I'll, I'll just have that there. And then I'll landing page where you can go. And if you want, just put 15 minutes on my calendar. If you want to talk about like more detail about what I do, or heck, if, if you just have a one-off question, like my 401k says this, what does that mean? I'll be more than happy to spend 15 minutes, just answer a, qu- a question like that. Um, yeah. And then gosh, if, if you don't want to, if you don't want to hop on zoom or the phone with me, um, that's too intimidating Um, also on that landing page, I'll have a resource you can get, they'll just basically allow you to look through a little bit more detail, like the, this premise of actually aligning your life and your money. Um, so you can take a look at that and just get a better understanding what that looks like.
0: Awesome. And before we head out, uh, one final word of wisdom for those listening.
1: Gosh, um, understand what is actually important to you. I know this is like said so many times in this conversation. If you're single, figure it out. And don't, don't stop it. I want this. Keep peeling those layers back. Why? Why is this important to me? Because of this. Okay, but why is that important? Until you get down to the core thing, know it. And then if you're married, do that with your spouse. Go together and fully go through and know and be known what's important to you. And then know and be known to each other. Um, and that will allow you, like, again, money is the number one cause of divorce. But it's not money itself. Money is just a way of empowering what's important to you. And that's why there's just so many fights It's because I want this and I want that. Heck, half the time, I bet you want the same thing. You're just coming at it from different ways. So allow each other to actually be vulnerable. I want this and be vulnerable to yourself if you're single, you know, like, gosh, this is truly what I want. And that will allow you to, um, that will empower so much more in your life and allow you to what you're actually doing to actually not go to waste, but be spent on what's important to you. So that's I know that was a tangent, but that, that's that's what I offer.
0: Perfect, that was awesome, Jim. I'm glad we were able to work out of time to get on this Zoom call together, and uh, it's been a great conversation. And I'm I'm confident this was valuable to those listening right now. Uh, thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Now, Jim and I just talked about for the last 30 minutes about some mindset shifts that really make a difference to open yourself up for wealth and taking control of your finances, so you can live intentionally and start pursuing and achieving those dreams. Now, the best way you can pay us back is to share this with somebody you know would t- find a lot of value in this episode. So, however you're listening to us right now, hit that share button and send us off to somebody who will also find as much value in this conversation as you did. You also should check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 278. There you'll find links to other episodes on the same type of topic, but also you can find the link that'll take you to the free giveaway that Jim offered up at the end of our conversation. So again, that's beyondtherut.com/278. Now I'm glad you joined us this week, and look forward to joining you again next week. But until then, go live life beyond the rut. Take care.